Good morning. If you have your Bibles, open it to, well, just open it. Uh, if you need it, Bible, raise your hand and we'll get you one. We're continuing our series, Who We Are, and this is the second part where we're going to be looking at what we believe. Last time we talked about what we think and we were looking into how we are to be mindful of God, how it is something that is to occupy our time, just like a, a person who is going through childbirth and is going through the labor pains. The labor pains are a constant reminder that the baby is coming and that no matter what you're thinking about, your thoughts eventually go back to that fact. And our minds are constantly to go towards this recognition of who God is and who he is in our lives, that we are to be mindful of these things. And, and I know it was a little, or I felt it was a little disjointed last week. And I remember this, this little series is leading to something. It's leading to the strength finders. And I'm trying to build a foundation of why this is something that we're doing. And, and today we're going to talk about what we believe. And it's not what we believe as far as you know, the, the foundations of Christian faith, the things that we believe as followers of Jesus, but it's what we believe here as Genesis, at Genesis, regarding who we are as individuals, as followers of Christ, what we believe our role is in the work of God and the work that God is asking us to partake in. Partake. Why do I use the word partake? I never say the word partake. <laughs> Honey, let's partake of dinner. Uh, it sounds... Anyway, in John's Gospel, John writes, To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The idea of gave the right is empowered. And so this is all those who have faith in Jesus. He has given you the right, has empowered you to be a child of God, to be a son, to be a daughter of the living God. This is who we are, this is our identity, and we're going to talk about our identity, then we're going to talk about our responsibility, and then we're going to talk about our availability. And so our identity is we are children of God. In 1 John, he says something similar, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. And we talked about this about a month or so ago when we, t we were in this passage but we see that this is the identity that we have as followers of Christ, that we have been called to be his children, that we have been made, given the right access to the Father as children. And, and this is something that we need to understand and we need to recognize because with this identity comes responsibility. And we need to see how our role moves into this area and what we are supposed to step into. Now you can turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. Paul writes and he says, Consequently, you are no longer 
foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. We are his children. We're not strangers any longer. We are a part of this family. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And so not only are we family, not only are we the children of the living God, but we are now a place where his spirit lives. We are a part of his temple. Now, when you think of a temple, you think of a place where you would worship. And so our lives are to be lives that represent the worship of God. We are to be people who can draw people to God in worship. You see, we have now not only the identity as children, but we also have the identity as worshipers, as people who are a part of this worship of God. We used to be aliens. We used to be foreigners. We used to be disjointed, not a part of this, but we've been called into this family, and now we are identified with God, and it is in a place of worship. When I was in Haiti this past February, I was traveling in a car with a group of people, and we were smashed in there, and it, it had been a, a long journey. We had been driving for a while, and actually I think this was after we had spent a night where we didn't get much sleep. We had driven a four-wheel drive to this remote place, then we hiked down to this camp, and then we had a, a, there was a wedding ceremony. We had this talent show dance thing that went on till about three in the morning, and then we went to sleep for about an hour, woke up and had a church service in the morning, as well as some baptisms, and it was, then we hiked back out, and then we were driving back. I say all this to say I was tired, okay? I was very tired, and you, you ever say something, and as you say it, you're like, oh no, what did I say, you know? It's like, come back, come back. You want the words to, to come back in your mouth? Well, this was one of those moments I was traveling, and I was just traveling with two Episcopal priests and some people who are part of their parish, and they were great people. I mean, they were just very uh, giving, just we had a great time. I mean, it was a neat opportunity to talk to them, and, and in our discussion, we, I asked them questions about their beliefs, and it wasn't in a uh, competitive or uh, accusatory way. It wasn't something that was offensive. We were just, I was finding out what they believed, why they believed these things, and they were asking me questions. And so the question came to me, you know, well, what's your story, you know, as a pastor? What, is, what are you about? And I said at that time that, you know, I believe that the scriptures know nothing I actually said this. The scriptures know nothing of ordained and non-ordained believers, only the priesthood of all believers. And I'm in a car with two priests, okay? And I said that, and it got deathly quiet. It was like, 
well, then what are we? You know, it's like, because what I believe the scriptures teach and what Ephesians alluded to and what Revelation talks about is that we are all called to be a kingdom of priests. In fact, that's what it said in first in Revelation verses one, or chapter 1, verses 5 through 6, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins, this is Jesus, by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And so I said, you know, I believe that there's no such thing as ordained or non-ordained. We're just all to be the kingdom and a kingdom of priests. It's our role. It's our responsibility. And what's happened is the idea of ordination and what we've made pastors and, and elders and bishops and deacons, and no matter what you know, denomination you are in, they become special. They do the work of God. And then there's the laity who lets them do the work of God. And the laity's job is to support those who do the work of God. And you support them in whatever way, financially, you know, bring donuts, I don't know, whatever it is. You, you support them, but they do the work and it's their job. And what has happened is the church then has just lost its army. It's lost all those people who are supposed to be engaged, who are the temple that make up what we know as the body of Christ, and they have been stripped of their power and have been left just as spectators. And that's not what we are. We all are a kingdom and priests. Now, think about that, what that means. In fact, just for fun, I want to do something. All of you who have put your faith in Jesus Christ, would you stand up right now? If you haven't, you can stay seating. I just, but this is for all those who have put faith in Christ. I ordain you this morning. You are all now priests of the living God. You may be seated. Okay. Now you can write down the date. If you want, we'll give you a little plaque. I was ordained. Now some of you are thinking, oh gosh, if I would have known that, I wouldn't have stood up. But don't you see, this is what you've been called into. This is your identity. You are God's kingdom. You are his temple. You are his priests. This is who you are. And unless we identify ourselves as God sees us, we will leave his work undone. Because we'll expect someone else to take care of that. That's what the pastors do. That's what the elders do. That's what the priests do. No, you now are ordained by God 
through Jesus Christ to be his temple, to be his kingdom and priest. That just changes everything. That changes everything. It should. It should change how you see yourself. It should change how you see the work of God taking place. Because he says that we are to serve his God, our God, and Father, our Father. That's what we've been called to do, to serve. And so we didn't come to faith in Jesus Christ to get a ticket to heaven. We, we came to faith in Jesus Christ to serve God and our Father. We, we came to faith to be a part of this family, to make up his temple, to be his representatives. And this is our identity or our responsibility. You see, Jesus didn't give his life to make you a spectator. Jesus gave his life to make you a minister. And that's what we are. We are all ministers. Now, not everyone is a leader, but we are all ministers. And there's a difference. Not everyone is called to lead a group of people, but we are all called to minister to people. We are all called to represent Jesus in this way. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We looked at this scripture last week, and we'll probably be looking at it again. Starting at verse 12, Paul writes, and he says, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, an obligation. That, that should make us stop and think. An obligation is the demand of conscience that obligates you to a course of action. So we are obligated to a course of action. What is that course of action? And it's interesting because he says, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh. Our obligation isn't to please ourselves. Now, it's kind of interesting because Paul doesn't really make clear what our obligation to. He just tells us what it's not to, which should help us understand what it is to. Hope you're following. Tracking with me? Okay. We have an obligation not to the flesh to live according to it, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So our obligation is just that. Not to live to please ourselves and our body appetites, but it is to put to death those things so that we can live to the Spirit. So that we can have this life that is connected to God so that we can now represent Him in this way. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Here's our identity again. We are sons of God, but what now we are led by the Spirit. This is our responsibility, to be led by the Spirit, to be His ministers. Verse 15, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with your spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Obligation. Share in his sufferings. Doesn't that sound fun? We have been called into this family to be led by His Spirit, 
to be his ministers, his representatives. And it's a call to identify with his sufferings. See, being a follower of Jesus means that you have a priority in your life. And and we touched on this last week about our minds being set on the things of God and our identity being with God. And so our responsibility is to God, to live lives that are led by Him. And with that is going to be a call to suffering, not just pain, but to be identified with Him. In other words, it's not about you anymore. It's about Him. And whatever His desires are for you to do, and sometimes those desires might include sacrifice. To what degree, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what God is asking you to sacrifice. Maybe it's a position, financial advancement, so that you can do a work among a different people. Maybe it's to involve yourself with a group of people. Maybe it's to go on a Tuesday night and to serve food instead of watching, I don't know, what's on Tuesday night? I don't remember. It's a call to to be led by His Spirit to do His work in whatever it is, and that includes suffering, but it also includes His glory. To involve yourself with people and the hurts of people is a difficult thing. But to see God work in people is a glorious thing. And so we've been called to this to be a participant in these things. This is our obligation. We are commanded to this course of action. We are obligating ourselves to say, okay, God, now me, as your priest, as your servant, as your minister, I am here to do your work. What is that work? And what does that work look like? And that's what we want to find out. Who here would like to see the message of who Jesus is and what he's done spread in their community? Anyone here? How's God going to do that? You see, God's agenda for the world is his church. The church is God's agenda for the world. And guess what? We are the church. So that means that we are God's agenda for the world. How is God going to reach people with the message of who Jesus is? Through us. Now you might be thinking, not through me. You don't, that's a scary thing. You don't know who I am. But the church is God's agenda for the world, and we are the church. This is our responsibility. Our identity is we are children of God. We are his sons, his daughters, his priests, his ministers. Our responsibility is to take the message and be led by his spirit to do the work that he has called us to do. In Ephesians 2.10 it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
If you are a follower of Christ, you are now his masterpiece. His workmanship has the idea of his poema, his poem, his, his creative essence is now you. You're his work. And you were created for a purpose. It was to do his works. And, and so understand this, that God has put within each of us something unique that represents him, and that is his workmanship in our lives, and it's been put in us so that we could do his work. Created in him for a purpose. Now, what I love about this is there is so much diversity in God's workmanship. You guys all look different. Some of you, never mind. Your hair is great, Michael. <laughs> we are all unique. And we all have unique purposes. And there are things that God has put within you. He has created within you masterfully, incredibly, gifted you with a work that no one else has. No one else can do. And it is waiting for you to step into this work. What is that work? I don't know. Do you? Do you know what God has created you for? And you see, this is one of the purposes that we are doing the Strength Finders. Is to help you see what God has given to you. What are your talents? What are your abilities? What has God put within you? And can we help uncover them? You see, our goal at Genesis is not to teach you the scriptures, to teach you the Bible. That's not our goal. Our goal is to help you to be the workmanship of God. We are here to help you so that you can make disciples of all nations. That is our goal. Yeah, teaching the scriptures is a part of it, but the goal isn't to learn the Bible. That's not our goal as followers of Christ. Our goal as followers of Christ are to represent him, to be his ministers, to be his workmanship to the world around us and to bring glory to God as we yield our lives to him. That's our goal. And so our desire is to help you get to that goal, to get to that place. And that's why we are doing things like the Strengths Finders. That's why we have the Love Your Neighbor opportunities for you to step into and see how God has equipped you and what he's given to you. What is his creative work in your life that you could step into? There is a motto in the church in China, the underground church in China, which is now over six million strong. And the motto is, every believer is a church planter. And every church a church planting church. You wonder how this unorganized group of people could spread and grow so 
fervorously. It's because of this mentality that it's my job to plant a church. It's my job to to reach people with this message of Jesus Christ. It's my job to use what God has given me to further who he is in whatever ways I can. That's my job. That's my responsibility. That's my obligation. I am his son. I am obligated to now represent my father. And every church is to be a church-planting church. In other words, we are to grow. We are to spread. We are to reach. And if we are not doing that, then we are not doing our job. And so our desire is to push forward and to reach out and to do more, to bring people to this understanding of who Jesus is. Turn to first, or second, or second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This is a familiar passage. Second Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. And the new has come. Everyone like that verse? I mean, how many times have you said, yes, amen. The old is gone. The new has come. The old has passed away. I am a new creation in Christ. Yes, we identify that. Okay, let's keep going. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, you're all ordained. You're all ordained ministers, right? It happened just a few minutes ago. What's my ministry? To reconcile people. You've all been given that ministry. Reconciliation. What does reconciliation mean? It means to bring people back, to make them basically back in with this relationship with God, to to bring what Jesus did to us. He reconciled us to God. He made us right with God. Our job is to bring people into that place where they too can be reconciled with God. That God was reconciling the world to himself, verse 19, in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Now that's interesting, but that's a different one. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Okay, you've all been ordained. You're all now ambassadors. Okay? Man, promotive day. Aren't you glad you guys came today? You have got ordained and now you are also ambassadors. Ambassador is a representative. You're representing Christ. As though God were making his appeal through us. Oh, that's powerful. God is making his appeal through us. That's our job. That's our place. He's making his plea through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's our message. We implore you through Christ, be reconciled to God. That's our message. Please be reconciled to God. Please let God be your father. He wants to adopt you just like he did me. We've been brought into his family. He's made us his children. He is given us this ministry. Now, I think I know where some of you are going in your mind. Some of you are going, I can't do that. 
you don't know me. I don't know how to speak. I don't know the scriptures. I, I don't know. I feel awkward when I talk to people about God. I, I feel just uneasy. You're not alone. And again, this is some of the things that we try and help out with. That's why we went through the Crave series to give you tools to be able to, to talk to people about your faith in a natural way and not seem like an alien from a different planet. But let me put into your thoughts that you have been created a masterpiece of God to do something. It's there within you. Don't let fear stop you from stepping in to what God has called you to do. About five years ago, a little less than five years ago, it was in August and I was getting ready to go and take a group to Wales. It was the fourth mission trip to go to Wales, and I was really excited about this trip because the year before, some incredible things had happened, and I was looking forward to going back and reconnecting with these people. And there was a call into the office where a lady called and said her granddaughter was in the hospital who had cancer. And I don't know what happened, but I was basically asked to, to go and visit but there were some stipulations. The grandmother said the mother is really not open to having a pastor go down and talk to her daughter, but I would like you to go down, which is kind of okay. So you know you're kind of stepping into an uneasy situation. And, you know, when someone is dealing with something serious, like in the hospital with cancer, you don't really want to be there if they don't want you to be there. If they do, it's a privilege because this is kind of sacred space. You're going into a person's deep need in their life, and you get to be a part of that, and that's pretty much an honor. But if they don't want you there, you really don't want to be there. And so I remember having to get some things done because I was leaving the next day to go to Wales, and it was really pressured. And, and Corrine and I both went to Loma Linda Hospital to go visit this young girl. She was 13 years of age, not sure if the mom's going to be there, what, what are we going to say, and it was just kind of awkward. And so we get up to the room, and no one is there. She's there by herself, and her head's bald you know, from the therapy and the treatment that she had had. And she could barely stay awake. And so we go in there and I, I talk to her and I just tell her this story so she feels a little bit more comfortable. Your grandmother came or called and asked that we come here and, and talk to you. And I just wanted to pray with you. And I, it was pretty basic. I just shared with her, you know, God loves you and wants you to, to call out to him in these things. There's no thoughts or fears or anything that you're going through that he doesn't want to share with you. And it was pretty basic, and she was kind of nodding off. I could tell she was medicated. And so I, I prayed with her for a little bit, didn't spend too much time, and then we left. And then I went to our trip to Wales for two weeks. And when I came back, I put a call into the hospital, and she had been released, and that was the last I heard of her. So I thought, okay, well, don't know what else to do. A number of months later, I remember a woman came into the office and was talking to Mary and then left. And then Mary told me that this was the grandmother. She just wanted to come in and say that 
her granddaughter had passed away. And she wanted to let us know how much that visit meant to the granddaughter, that the granddaughter talked about it and said, someone came and prayed with me and it meant so much to her. Mary told me that, that this meant so much to this little girl. And I remember thinking, I had no idea. I had no idea it meant anything. I thought she was on the verge of going to sleep. And, and all I did was go and talk to her for a few minutes. And all I did was pray with her. All I did was give her a few moments of time. And I was totally unaware that God would take that few minutes and make it meaningful. And what was I expecting? from a 13-year-old who, who looked like she was 19. She, it struck me that she didn't look her age. She, she shouldn't have looked as old as she looked. She shouldn't have had to be going through the things that she was going through. What was I expecting from her? And if I had known that this would mean so much to her, I would have stayed longer. If it was my daughter, I couldn't have left. But this was someone's daughter, and, and this was an opportunity to represent Jesus to this 13-year-old girl who was going through something and I was just unaware. And even in my lack of sensitivity, God was able to take the little that I gave and make it meaningful. And you see, God has given us something. Take the little and step into it. And you would be surprised at how God will make it meaningful in the lives of the people around you. If you just take the time to pray. If you take the time and step into their lives in whatever way you can. And as flustered as it might be and as quick as it might seem, We're his representatives. And thank God that our king is with us and he leads us and he takes the little that we give and he makes it a work of art. And he makes it meaningful and he makes it purposeful. He makes it useful. Step into his work. Be available. Your identity is you are his children. You are his ministers. You are his priests. Your responsibility, your obligation is to take the message of who Jesus is and try and bring people to reconcile them with their God. And to do that, you need to be available. This is what we believe. This is what we believe our role is as followers of Christ here at Genesis. And we want to help you to do that. And again, that's why we're having the strength finders to maybe key on a few things that are a part of who you are to help encourage those areas in your life and give you some tools that you might be able to move forward in. This isn't just some class we want to have. This is 
helping us to grow in the ministries that God has called each one of us to. Next week, we're going to talk about how we do this and what we do. But I pray that this morning that you will allow just some of the things that were talked about, recognition of who you are, recognition of your obligation and responsibility, and the necessity for you to be available, to be used by God, that these things will move your life into the things that God has for you. Let's pray. Lord, I wonder often how much I am missing because I am afraid to step further in to what you call me to do. How many times am I afraid? Because I, I'm looking at myself and my inadequacies and forgetting that I have been ordained by you to be your ambassador, to be your minister, to be a priest for you. Lord, may we be willing to follow where your spirit leads. May we be willing to accept who we are and the responsibility of what you've given us. And may we take what little we have and surrender it to you. Whatever that looks like. God, I pray that you would multiply those little things within us. Maybe it's a prayer. Maybe it's a kind word. Maybe it's helping someone in some way, some some opportunity for us to involve ourselves in the lives of those around us. And again, may our minds be aware of you. May our thoughts be drawn back to that place where we see you in our situations. And Lord, I, I pray that as each one of us takes this responsibility that you've given us, that it wouldn't be a burden, that we wouldn't think of it as a hardship. But Lord, these obligations would produce glory for you. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness and, and your ability to take us in our condition and use us just like we are. We don't need to, to get all cleaned up. We don't need to get all full of knowledge. We just need to recognize your grace has changed us. You've made us new creations and you've given us a ministry. Help us to fulfill that ministry. As we desire to honor you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.